You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Mindy Chang, an actor, filmmaker, here to share inspiring stories and to walk through everyday life with you. And welcome to season four, episode one. We made it, guys! Hi! So good to be back. Sorry to scream in your ear, but I'm really excited. And uh, first of all, I'm really sorry it took so long for us to get here. It is already May of 2023. Holy crap. I when I did like a holiday check-in and the break started even months before that. So it has been a very long time. I am so sorry. I have to right out the gate apologize for the delay because I had promised we'd be back way sooner. And yeah, it's just, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I really thought, real talk, I thought I could kind of like slip under the radar because I still live in, you know, my land of delusion where I'm like, nobody cares. It doesn't matter if I do the show or not, X, Y, Z. And that might be imposter syndrome and it might be just be like me self-sabotaging and like creating, you know, stupid narratives to like get me off the hook for stuff that I really need to be responsible for. But anyways, I got some encouraging messages from listeners. I love you guys. Thank you for, um, you know, just like lovingly poking and prodding me and being like, hey, so when's it coming out? Because it did it was wonderful validation. Thank you. And it was also great accountability. So we are here thanks to you. And also, um, not as an excuse, it's just been such an interesting start to the year already. We're already like halfway through, which is so funny. I'm like, the start of the year. Anyway, um, the year has been interesting because even with the show, I had set certain goals and milestones. And interestingly, like in the first three months, I hit, I had hit my milestones. I had certain things lined up. And they all fell through. Not all, but most. The the important ones, especially the ones having to do with sponsorships. Um, so that was disappointing. It was really disappointing. And um, as a producer, as a content creator, et cetera, as a creative, learning, again, in another medium, in another format, in another way to, you know, temper my expectations and the show must go on, right? So... Yeah, that was not to uh, make excuses. I just want to kind of fill you guys in because it's already been like a very enlightening year. It was frustrating at times, but like, I don't know, that's just a, that's just the nature of it. And I learned a lot. So I'm really grateful, grateful for everybody who was like looking out for the show, who even offered. It was great. Um, and I understand things don't work out and they fall through and you just got to keep going. Um, I've also thought about doing like, I don't know what format, but I just want to share everything I've learned in like my decade and a half of producing and like different mediums because I've done live events, I've done podcasts, I've done conferences, I've done film at this point and I've learned a gazillion things and I just want to like, I don't know, channel it somewhere and help someone else out that it could help. So that's just a sidebar tangent. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting year already. Really, really happy to be back on the airwaves with you guys. I missed doing this. It has been very eventful. Um, but before we get into some updates, I really, I just want to introduce our guest this week because I'm so excited to kick off season four with this amazing woman. I've been a fan of hers for years and recently got to befriend her because uh, really cool things that you guys will hear about in the show. But I'm talking about the enigmatic, the charming, the amazing Gina Darling. Gina Darling is, she's an actress, she's an host. Did I say an unhost? 
She's a host. She's a streamer, influencer. She is a podcast host herself. And I I got to know her through the YouTube world, like back in the day through the Asian American YouTube scene. And I immediately just like fell in love with her. She's so amazing, so charismatic, so sexy and fierce and like herself and authentic. And I just, I loved it. And she kind of like exuded this confidence that I definitely wanted to feel and had in private, but like not in public spheres. So she's been just a really cool person to to see like her career evolve. And then now she's dating my friend Josh Han. And now I get to be friends with her and invite her to the show. So it's been really great to get to know her. And for those of you who are wondering, Josh Han is my friend Josh who was on the show in past seasons. So if you want to go check out his story, he has an incredible journey and um, story with his autoimmune disease and like just overcoming a lot in his life. And when I found out that the two of them were dating, I screamed in joy. Like, love Josh. He's one of my dearest friends. And to know that he was dating someone like that, I think is so fabulous. I was just over the moon. So that was great. And Gina and I get to sit down in this week's episode to talk about how to stop seeking external validation. And it's something that, you know, even at this point in my 30s, I still struggle with. And I think it's a very human thing that all of us struggle with. And it was just so great to get to know her journey through her really, you know, unique and challenging family life to her career and her just being like this renegade and figuring out her way to deal with her challenges and how to stop needing that outside approval all the time. And I just realized, you know, the older I get, we live in a society where a lot of industries and a lot of power players get a lot of, they they gain a lot out of us needing validation. And, you know, maybe it's a lifelong pursuit of like inner peace and not needing it. I still appreciate external validation. Like I even mentioned at the top of the episode, I really appreciate when people appreciate my show or things that I do or whatever, give me a compliment. It feels really wonderful. But I think it was really wanting to address the needing of it, this like in the absence of it not being okay, you know? So Gina was really great to talk about this with, and I hope that you guys gain a lot out of it. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited. I'm also excited because this month is May of 2023, and May is Asian Heritage Month. So I also wanted to wish you guys happy Asian Heritage Month. This month is very, very stressful for me sometimes just because it, it triggers like all of my Again, decade and a half of being so deeply immersed in the Asian American community, which is such a great experience of mine and also, again, extremely triggering and stressful. So just wanted to give assurance to anybody who's involved in that universe, whether you're like an organizer or you're like the leader of an organ, you know, a club or it falls upon you in some way to manage celebrating it for others. It can be a lot because we get inundated with all this messaging. And if you don't feel a strong connection to your Asian American roots and whatnot, and it feels disconnected to you and it creates a whole other set of thoughts and feelings within you, that's okay too. It's a very it's a very interesting time. Me being around all these creatives and different leaders in this space, we've definitely had our, you know, our powwows where we have to like vent to each other and just like be there and brace ourselves and be like, we'll get through this. So if you're doing a lot of events or just kind of having to have an existential moment with your identity, all of those things, just take it easy on yourself. Be kind, be gentle. We've already been through enough for many lifetimes in just the past few years. Let us all like breathe a little bit. But also in tandem with it being Asian Heritage Month, I also wanted to share a cool update that in the past 
several months of me being on break, I made my second short film, which is actually technically my first short film that I completed, that I wrote and started. And uh, it got accepted into a film festival. So that's what I've been doing on break. And the LA Asian Film Festival kicks off. Actually, uh, it kicked off May 4th. And it's going on, and I'm premiering my short film on May 13th. It's a short film called Honestly. I wrote and started it with my friend James Tang, which is the internet boyfriend, the smiling guy, who's also a guest on First of All. And that was just, it was a lot of fun. And my friend Scott, who's also a guest from way back in the day, talking about being a nice guy, Scott Sesena, he was the director. It was just a really fun project that we put together and you know, wonderfully, it's so meaningful that it's part of the LA Asian Film Festival hosted by Visual Communications. Like I've loved and partnered with them and helped them and worked with them for years and years. It's been over a decade. So um, it means a lot. It's really, really meaningful that I'm premiering a short that I'm that I wrote and started at this festival. So that's May 13th, which is coming up if you're listening to this when we put this out first. Um, But it is sold out. So sorry, I will figure out a way. And, you know, once the premiere passes, I don't know how people go about sharing their short films, but it will be up and you guys will get to watch it. It's so weird. Like, it was just such a, like, fun project between friends. And then now that it's going to go public is such a strange, strange feeling. And I will do my best not to get hung up on whatever validation, good or bad, or critics or whatever, let all of that not rock my boat too much. So that's my update and um, my therapy for myself. Thank you very much for coming to my TED Talk. So without further ado, this long intro, I'm just really happy to be back with you guys. And welcome back to season four. And here we are with our first episode of season four with Gina Darling, How to Stop Seeking External Validation. Enjoy! Came in 88 with a dream also oh so bright-eyed. They knew right away, sink or swim, there's no lifelines. Cutting their teeth on the move. Nobody's Welcome to First of All, Gina. Hi. With your gorgeous setup. <laughs> Thank you. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I just... I'm not going to lie. I uh, woke up a little bit late today and I had a few interviews and this is going to be my most favorite and last one of the day because it's like the most chill one. Thank God. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. This is like the most low stakes interview. Like we're just going to hang out, um, get to talk about some really good stuff. I'm I'm genuinely like self-conscious now. It's like my my setup is so blah. Oh, I need no. to get on the, the I want to get the neon light. Like genuinely, I've wanted that for like over <laughs> a year. This so. is such like a streamer setup is what it is. <laughs> We like our our neon lights and low lighting in the background. It's such a streamer look. Like, I could give you my whole... Well, actually, no, I can't turn it on now. I don't have the virtual camera, but I have, like, words oh. flying everywhere and stuff. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, well, I will come to you advice of, like, where to source all these things because your girl does clearly don't know. Um, oh, just, yeah. Like, goes absolutely. With <laughs> I have my self-tape set up. That's about it. I was like, that would look very weird. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like a blue flat background in the back yeah that's the one thing i'm missing from my house i gotta turn my extra room into a self-tape room Ooh, very nice yeah. oh you don't yeah. have that yet okay yeah mm-hmm. then it'll be complete bless amazon um yeah. <laughs> so much of my money um yeah but no it's so good to have you on this show and i got to hype you up in our intro oh you, yay i i will like 
fangirl you a bit. I've been getting to know you because of our mutual love, Josh. Not my yeah. not my love in that way. Josh is my homie, but he's your love. <laughs> and um, I was beyond thrilled when I found out that you guys were dating, by oh, the way. Oh, thank you. I freaked out because we were just <laughs> catching up. I was like, what's been going on? Like, you know, it's usually same old, like, what are you auditioning? Like, da-da-da-da-da. And he's like, oh, yeah, we did all that. And he's like, but, uh, yeah, I'm like, um, I'm seeing somebody. I'm like, huh? <laughs> And I was like, what? Like, I freaked out. And so he was so happy. By the way, I'm just going to, like, out Josh right now. He was so happy. Like, you know, like, you're trying to... Josh is really, really um, open. He's not a person that's, like... He doesn't have none of the toxic masculinity crap. But you could tell, like, I think he was, like... It was the early stages, so he was Aww. just like he was like really happy, but he probably not wanting to jinx or anything. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's go- it's going well. That's <laughs> so cute. You know what the funny thing is? It almost didn't happen. What? Why? Okay, I, almost I get to get cut him off. Whole story. Yeah, I almost cut him off because I know, isn't that crazy? Uh, <laughs> how can you spill the tea? <laughs> so Josh and I had met via. Um, playing Apex with our mutual friends, James Tang, Johnny mm-hmm. Young. And uh, that's how we met online. And that's how we got to start talking. I had an extra ticket to a Daft Punk thing. I'm like, I barely know you, but I have an extra ticket. Do you want to just come? This was fully platonic. Okay. And he showed up. And again, it was still platonic, but I remembered. I was like, oh, he's really cute in person. Because I had only seen his shorts before through Johnny. Okay. And then, you know, throughout the night, there was flirting. And then... Um, uh, we actually kissed the first night we met, which is wild for me because I don't kiss on the first date, but he okay. just went for it. And then, so the next day, I was like, "What do I? What do we? What do I do with this?" Um, <laughs> now what? And yeah, so now what? And then we were just texting lightly, and he's like, "Oh, you know, well." And I, I was, we were texting, and I'm like alluding and leading to we should go on a date. But he was not getting it. Oh, Josh. <laughs> and then okay. we were talking about food and cooking. And he's like, well, yeah, maybe you can try my cooking one day. And I just went, well, I mean, we'd have to go on a date first. Good job. Good job. <laughs> and he's like, and Josh, oh, wait. what the? What? Come on. <laughs> right. And he was like, oh, wait, you're right. We should. So we go on a date. It's fine. He didn't ask any questions about me, which really rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, you know, it was nice. Like, we kissed at the end of the night, went home, like, you know, separate ways. Yeah. And then for the next two weeks, one-worded text answers. Joshua. What are you doing? <sighs> Nothing. What are you... Like, it was so dry, Minji. Why? Did he explain? I mean, I'm sure you... Got... Did you get an explanation later? So, after the two weeks, I'm talking to my makeup artist at G4. You know, they know everything. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? We're going to play Apex tonight. I think I'm going to cut it off tonight because... He didn't plan a next date. His one-worded answers are awful. He doesn't ask me any questions. Clearly, this guy's not interested in me. And then, and so, and he was going to fly to Maryland back home, like, to visit his family for two weeks the next day. Uh So, I'm like, I'm going to cut it off tonight. So, we jump on tonight, and I'm like, hey, actually, can we talk about something really quick? Um, And I told him, I gave him the spiel, like, you're really nice. You know, I I enjoyed my time with you. But this is what I don't like, this, this, and this. So I don't think this is going to work out. And, um, you know, it was, it was, I had a great time. (laughs) And then he went, oh my God, I'm so sorry that I made you feel that way. I really didn't mean to. What can I do to make it better? Uh Uh-huh. And I was like, what do you mean make it (laughs) better? 
what? Wait, why are you not used to like men? This is where I get to know you better. Like I would imagine any man who has a shot with you and doesn't live up to a very basic queen treatment standard should walk the plank and like, and then, but then they'll like swim back and be like, please, how can I fix it? Was this (laughs) confusing? It was was confusing because one, I swore he wasn't interested because Mm -hmm. of the way he was talking to me these past couple of weeks. And two, um, before Josh, like six months before Josh, I got out of a horrendously terrible relationship. We're talking cheating, narcissism, like crazy, you know? Uh, So from that point on, it was my, my, um, it was my, journey to self-love self-respect and just not putting up with anyone's bullshit at all and you know before josh i went on another like couple dates with other people where mm-hmm. i would literally cut it during dinner like hey this isn't working out um but you're really nice i'll pay for my part whatever you know like it, it wow. became very cutthroat which i wish i did my whole life yeah but so when it came to josh i was like well this guy clearly isn't into me and two um i'm you know i'm just shocked that someone's like oh what do you want me to do like why are you being so nice what's going on here yeah 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 what's 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 the what's the rub mm-hmm. I, I don't know what's going on yeah so i i i answered him i was like well it would be nice if we talked more if you tried to get to know me if you actually texted me he's like okay um just let, let i, I want to try can can i please you know, like can i try i i, I want to make you feel more happy and secure you know i'm like all right, whatever, <laughs> I guess. Completely sure. not expecting him to fulfill at all because he's flying to Maryland. Uh-huh. The next two weeks in Maryland, he is texting me, FaceTiming me. Hey, this is the house I grew up in. And this is my kitchen that I hang out with my family. And this is this my clothes from when I was a kid. And I was like, okay, surely after two weeks, it'll stop. But uh-huh. here we are, almost a year later. I, oh my gosh, I didn't, well, okay, left that out. Um <laughs> He, he made it Josh um, who's also been a guest on first of all and like w- why I think he's such a great person I mean like you you've gotten to know him obviously in the last year like the things that he's overcome with like his health and everything and like he is such a good person but this is like shocking to me it's like I get to know it from from the girlfriend side of like what was actually going on there because when he was sharing it with me it was like it was it was after so that was the holidays I'm guessing when he went home or was uh, it? No, this was last April or May. Okay. April or May. May. Yeah. April. Okay. Because when we talked, we were like catching up. I think I was venting to him about my dating stuff. And then I think he was like all in like his happy bubble. So, um, yeah, no, he just said that like it was very natural, organic because mm-hmm. you guys met gaming, that you're so pretty and cool and all this oh. stuff. But it was just like it just felt right. And all these things like I heard that, but I did not know that that side. <laughs> And so later on, of course, now that we're comfortable, we talk about it. He explains to people it's because he his kidney transplant was in January. Mm-hmm. We met in May and he was like, it's because I was going through my new kidney, new me phase. I'm just trying to date and see what's out there. Like, it's my new life. And which I understand, like, you yeah. just got a whole new, you know, uh, kidney and, you know, a whole new life here. Yeah. Um, and then he said, but when you told me, hey, this isn't going to work out, I realized I had something really good with you and I would be stupid to let it go. So that's why I like it kicked my ass in gear. And ever since then, it's been like it's been blissful. We have never argued. Um, Josh is a very his love is very gentle. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we're like, he's like my, we're best friends. You know? I it's, love it. Yeah. It's the sweetest thing. We're, we're so excited to one day move in with each other. And like it, it was, it's, he's such a beautiful human being. I told him yesterday, my inner child is so in love with you. Like if I went back in time and I showed teenage me a picture of you and I went, this is our boyfriend. She would just pass out. Oh my God, yeah. Gina. I'm trying to like <laughs> spare everybody's ears. That's why I didn't scream, but inside I'm <laughs> screaming. That's, that makes me so, so happy. I'm so happy oh, for you guys. You. And you. I will tell you when I first met you, I think in person, it's at my birthday party. I think when yeah. he brought you to the beach, when we were having this hangout still during COVID times and I, it just it just beams off of you guys. Oh, it like <laughs> exudes, and that makes me because I care for Josh so much. We've like been friends for over ten years now. Like he's gone through so many different life changes, and we're in this crazy grind in the entertainment industry. I can attest, like he is such a good hearted person, and for him, like to be the kind of person that I'm like honored to call a friend, be so happy with, like. I was like, you're dating G- Josh, like, because <laughs> I've been so the original thought was like. I've been a fan of yours. Like I've seen your like skits and stuff because of David. So David's a right. friend of mine too. Oh, so okay. I've known of you and like your personality, your vibe, your look, obviously. Like I was like, Gina is a fucking God. She's a goddess queen. Oh. I was like, Josh, you're dating Gina. I, that's why I was freaking out. Not only was I happy because he was all like, you know, in his little uh, Twitter pated phase, but yeah. that happiness alone is great. But like, I was like, you got Gina. <laughs> and I was like, in my head, I was like, Josh, don't mess this up. <laughs> because like don't do us dirty like this. <laughs> so oh, it makes so me so sweet. happy. It, 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 like I was like, damn, I was like, <laughs> go you. Um and I hadn't even met you, but I had I had such a like, you know, I I consider myself what I what we want to call like an empath or like I'm around a lot of people and I've been around a lot of like artists and creatives. I kind of, I don't know if I pride myself, but I have like a sixth sense sometimes. Like I can read energies. And I was just like, I really like Gina's energy. Oh, I love her, her authenticity. And this is why I was excited to have you on the show, because especially to talk about what we're talking about, which you've already like kind of dove into with your um, talking about your relationship and that like no bullshit that you're embodying right now is that is that how do how do we all you me and everyone listening out there every person we all struggle with like becoming true as self and having actual self love and like how does that look in action when we're living day to day and how do we stop seeking outside validation like that's something that i've been on a very honestly lifelong journey but especially like into my 30s as a you know grown woman trying to do things on her own um and so, yeah, I was just like, and Gina's going to go to my show and talk to me about it. So that's what brought us here. Thank you, Josh. Congratulations to both of you. I'm <laughs> so, you. so ecstatic. And also the inner child in me feels like hopeful because I'm single and like working on all these like self-love, self-validation, whatever, ex- the work, right? The, right? the exercising of that. And so it's so nice to know it has, it came to you when you're least expecting it in this like... And then you you stood your ground and you told him what's up. And then he's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> what do you need from me? <laughs> I'm like, well, first of all. Yeah. Text me back more than one word. Exactly. Yeah. Josh, what were you thinking? Like, in what world? <laughs> one word text? Like, right? Even from friends, I'm kind of like, yo, can you engage with me? <laughs> 
Um, so if you don't mind sharing so like what was that I mean okay I know bits about you that you like grew up in the Bay Area and then you told me like you have like a gangster father or something like that yeah (laughs) um and like we can start at the beginning wherever you want to start I'm just curious like how how did we like we're at this like wonderful place we're at now and even to dive into that but how how did Gina get here like how would you when you when you reflect on that uh career-wise or like either one I mean I feel like your career and you are very like not everybody has that but I feel like you're very like your personality and what your interests are and what your career is very much yeah like reflect each other yeah so I grew up in a family of um, immigrants from Vietnam we escaped Mm -hmm. the war I was born and raised in Northern California and I was I was raised in a very traditional strict Vietnamese household where it was just we're just going to teach you how to grow up and be a good wife oh. uh, and marry someone rich. I mean, I'm talking like how to hold a soup spoon par- properly, how to sit down quietly, walk quietly, um, wow. pray in front of the Buddha altar three hours a night. Uh, just very old school, traditional. Like you don't need, you know, um, to have like a fun career or whatever. Anything, anything outside of being a wife, being a doctor or, for, or a lawyer was shot down since I was a kid. Okay. And so I had left that side of the family when I was 14 and moved to L.A. to my mom's side of the family, who is the complete opposite. I mean, dad's side was all men, all working professionals. Mom's side is all women, half of which have been arrested at one point, oh, you know? Okay. <laughs> And with them, I finally got to find myself and be myself and not be in this tight, crazy, cramped box of perfection. I mm-hmm. was able to explore. And when they loosened the reins on me, I acted out less. Oh. Like, Gina, be home by 10. I'm like, well, I'm home at 8 because, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like the, the tighter you grip, the worse it'll be for kids. I so like. true. Mm-hmm. So um, started living here at 14 graduated here in LA right when I graduated I mean school was never a big thing for me I didn't like it um and when I graduated I knew I did not want to go to college I'm gonna do something fun I'm gonna do something in entertainment and I don't want to have to wake up early nice (laughs) nice good good criteria (laughs) so it like straight out of high school it was a whirlwind of working at Four different jobs at once. Go-go dancing at night. Hostess during the day. Cocktail waitress on some nights. Um, Influencer stuff. Early influencer years. And it was just a crazy life of, I don't know how I'm going to pay for my next rent. Like, I started living by myself when I was 19. There were nights when, do I eat first or do I pay for this bill first? I I pumped $4 of gas at a time. I uh, had to always pull over on the side of the road every once in a while to pour water into my car because my radiator was cracked my car's overheating sit there and wait and continue driving it was a struggle that looking back on it I would do it again a million times over because it was scary but it was fun it was Mm. fulfilling and I got to really live you know Yeah. yeah yeah um and like I've made money and lost it from uh stupid spending from tr- to f- for traveling which I'll never regret I'll do that a million times over <laughs> you know made money lose money made friends lost friends you know and yeah. relationships good relationships bad relationships life has been so colorful for me because uh I told myself that one day I want to have the best stories to tell my kids 
And you do mission accomplished. Like, <laughs> yeah. Clearly, mm-hmm. I I mean, I wish we had 18 hours. Well, we'll have time in the future. But I just <laughs> want to hear all these stories because mm-hmm. I think for, it's interesting to hear that because I grew up in a pretty similarly like restrictive household to like a Christian household, Korean household. And like that that's its own like nuance, but like similarity in terms of just like there's a very specific set order in what's proper mm-hmm. and like what's expected and what's appropriate and what's acceptable and what's praised and like i i think i did have a rebellious side too but like i was really happy to fulfill that and like that takes a lot of like therapy and like trying to understand child psychology and all that stuff like why but i was like so eager to please like Mm. i was always just like whatever it it takes to get the gold star and get the a and get you know the pat on the head and the good job but i also knew inside for me and i don't know if you felt this way i had like I was a shy kid, but I had a lot to say, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's the part of me now that everyone's like, oh, that's super obvious. They're like, you're very outspoken, blah, blah, blah. I really wasn't as a kid, but I think I had the impulse in me, but it was just always like stifled down. So I don't know if you had that, like, were you, did you, do you feel like you were kind of born a rebel or is that something that kind of came out after puberty or like over time? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was... I like I dreamt of being like a superstar and I was a rebel, you know, and um, I, and I wasn't raised by parents. It was grandparents. Oh, OK. Uh, very strict, like uh, actually abusive grandparents. Mm-hmm. And so m- every voice I had was stifled, like from every dream I had, it was shot down. But I always knew I wanted to talk, sing, act something. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But I, I was never given that chance until I took it into my own hands when I was around 16. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you did that. I mean, I kind of did too, but mine was in a very self-destructive way because I ended mm. up in a really, really bad seek. Exactly what you said, that tighter people grip or something yes. grips, the more you hide and you like, you know, it just, and so mine went really bad, really dark. And when you, when you left, like when you decided to take that leap, you said you're 16 at the time, or mm. that's when you moved to your mom's side? So I moved to my mom's. So I, okay. So I've always said I've had two birthdays. The okay. day that I was born and the day that I finally escaped my previous family. Oh, wow. That was when I was reborn, uh, moved into such a loving, understanding family. That was, that day was the day where I had enough. And I said, I literally said, fuck you. I'm calling my mom. She's going to come pick me up now. I left with two trash bags of whatever I can gather, um, which sucks because I wish I had baby photos of me and stuff, you know? Oh, wow. Um, but that was like the beginning of my life. Yeah. And I moved to L.A., my mom's side of the family, and discovering I was discovering myself. Like, I became a goth kid in high school, <laughs> you know? Like, um, I, and then when I was 16, the summer before uh, senior year, I decided I'm just going to do something Fuck it. I'm going to do something I've never thought I'd never I'd, I'd ever do before. I know since I was a kid, four years old, I saw Cindy Crawford on a billboard. I knew I wanted to be a model. Um, I'm going to sign up for a beauty pageant. Oh, my God. And then so I, I Googled Vietnamese beauty pageants in Southern California. And I found a pageant. And the cutoff age was 17. But I'm going to be 17 in like three weeks. Uh-huh. They don't need to know that. Uh-huh. Uh, preliminaries is next week. Fuck it, let's let's see what happens. And I signed up. I sent in a photo of myself, and they emailed me saying, "Hey, you're approved." And so I told one aunt, Nancy, the first uh-huh. family member that Josh ever met, 
Nancy was my aunt. She she was a young aunt. She was only like five years older than me. Oh, I love it. And I said, Nancy, I need you to drive me down to Orange County. I, I'm doing preliminaries for a beauty pageant. She's like, what the fuck? Okay. This is the aunt that turned me into a goth kid, you know? Like, she I love was it. awesome. Went to preliminaries, expecting nothing. Got, I made it to the next round. Like, you're going to, okay, Gina, you're going to compete in Vegas now. The, vet, the pageant is in Vegas. And I was like, oh, crap. Okay. And that's when I was like, I got to tell the family now. And it was three weeks of competition and I got second runner up. Nice. Did my first real photo shoot ever afterwards. And that's when, that was like just the beginning of my career there. Um, and it, I remember going to senior year, because this was during the summer. Senior year started and I was posted on the high school newspaper. And I did not have a lot of friends. I had one friend. You know, that I'm still friends with till this day. Um, and I was a goth kid that only knew how to do smeared black eyeliner and somehow got second runner up with like my my front magazine cover page on my school newspaper. And it just took off from there. That was my first taste of it. I fell in love with it. And I knew all I ever wanted to do for the rest of my life was just be in front of the camera. And you're so good at it. I mean, that's, <laughs> look at you for like trusting your gut. I think that's that's what I think the energy that maybe I picked up on. I'm like, and uh, it just feels so natural for me. There's 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 a lot of different people chasing a lot of different dreams and have a lot of different aspirations for different reasons of like why they pursue entertainment. Right? Sometimes it's just about art and creation and like expressing self. Some people do really just want to be a star. Some people know that they're a star, and then they just you know it's more of like stepping into self more than like I'm trying to become something different. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, and so, and I think all paths are valid. There's nothing that I'm saying is like better or worse or anything like that. I think life is meant to be about discovery. Um, and that's discovery of self, discovery of the world, discovery of other people. Um, but that was like, I was like, dude, Jean's got star quality. And I love that (laughs) because there's a part of me, I don't know what your, your big three are, but I'm a Leo moon. And are you? Wait, I don't know what moon is. I'm a Leo. You're a Leo? Of course you're a yeah. Leo. You're yeah. so Leo. I love it. I'm a Cancer, but my so moon is like your your internal world. You're like okay. hold on. I have a, I have the co-star okay. right here. I wanna know. Um, I don't follow many of these things, but I have so many people asking me about it that I'm like, okay, oh, I'm, it's, I'm just gonna... it's so on the upswing. And I'll yeah. say, like, I've been following this this stuff since I was like a child at the oh. library, like reading magazines. I'm like, what's my horoscope? Okay, so it says uh I'm I'm a Leo, Moon in Taurus. Okay. Rising is Scorpio. Oh. Yeah. That's dope. You got that. <laughs> so Leo, yeah. So Leo's the performer. It's mm-hmm. the one, the star of the whole zodiac. It's the one that's really comfortable. Not necessarily like seeking. It's just like you are the star. You are the yeah. sun. You are like <laughs> you're comfortable being in the spotlight, natural leaders, um, stuff like and Scorpios are very just like enigmatic, very like in a certain way, like they can be kind of scary to other sides because they're so passionate and like openly passionate. And that's like mm. frightening for other people who are like, and Taurus is very um, stable, very grounded, very like hardworking, very likes the finer things in life, like uh, likes comfort, likes luxury. Those sense. are great ones. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. <laughs> um, oh my God. Okay. We have to, see, I want to see the rest of your chart, but yeah, I think for me, I had it like inside of me. The outside was like this more sensitive, shy person, especially as a young person. And then inside me, I was such a performer too, like right out the gate since I was like five, four or five, I started doing church plays. So like whenever it, it came to a stage, learning lines, being a character, I was like, where do you want me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
And so that came naturally. And that was so contradictory to my outside personality, which was like, as a kid, I was like hiding behind my mom all the time. But there was something inside of me that like felt compelled to perform and that compelled to like sing and dance or just like I was to this day, choreo and I, we're not we can't like I love her. I admire the hell out of choreo. She can't do it. Um, She can't remember an eight count. And I'm sorry, I messed up many musicals. I was I was the weak link in the chain. Um, But performing like I loved it. And then it was just it felt so like I felt this push and pull inside of me of like, how do I step into a spotlight that like part of me feels so compelled and like motivated to to seek out and like live in. But it felt so wrong because the way that I was raised and the the star that I needed to get from like my surroundings, my family and like my immediate culture and all the church and everything was like, don't seek the spotlight. Do not try to draw attention to yourself. Right. You're there to serve other like the soups. Everything you're saying is like you're there to be pleasant and to be accommodating and to be pretty to look at whatever you're supposed to be all these things, but you're not here for you. I think that was the resounding message that I got since I was little. Like, yeah. This ain't about you, honey. This is about you for for them. You right. for the elders, you for your future husband, you for whatever. And you're supposed to make their life better and peace. And there's nothing really wrong with like being a good contributor to society, to family, to your friends. But like, it's so fucked up when I look back of like how much it was all about that. Yeah. And like everything when it came down to me, what I want, what I prefer really like in so many ways i realized i it didn't matter right. and whatever came naturally to me there's something wrong with me like i'm too loud too ambitious like too greedy there's a word that my mom uses i'm greedy oh and i was just like no i just have a lot of dreams and i have a lot of things i want to do i don't think but like the way it was framed to me was like mm, too much right so right. it's weird like that and then as a kid i'm curious how it was for you growing up like your really young formative years needing to fulfill certain standards for your grandparents like those are really important as child psychologists established like that sets a very specific tone of like what you how your machinery works you know right did you feel like that followed you or like was it I know you're like taking off as a teenager Mm -hmm. but like that was like people pleasing and all that stuff was like super deeply entrenched in me since I I was really young I do believe that I still have remnants of being a people pleaser somewhere mm. inside me uh whether i realize it or not josh says i do okay yeah um i i think i did have that a lot when i was a kid i always had to perform i had to, like girl if a kid can clean a house a two-story house i was the best at it really the best, yes um and my family was very uh they were very all about how they look Mm. So whenever guests came over, it was like we were the perfect Stepford family, you know? So it was a lot of just performing for others and fulfilling what they wanted and just not thinking about myself at all, which, of course, for children, that is awful. You know, I I was not even allowed to go outside or sit in my front porch to learn how water evaporates in the sun. Like, Gina, no, get back in the house. I never learned how to ride a bicycle. I never a lot of my childhood was not a childhood yeah you know yeah so um yeah I, I had a huge part of me that wanted to people please because I knew like that's what made them happy and that I knew that's what kept me out of trouble or being like abused from them you know yeah and yeah. I really had to break away from that and I had to learn how to break that 
mold, that that grip that they had on me. Mm-hmm. And it took therapy. It definitely did take a lot of therapy. Um, but it also was a lot of... I had to break myself over and over again until I realized I cannot keep doing this, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I need to stop searching for the validation and love of other people mm-hmm. when I should be looking for it within the one person that I see every single day, every single moment of my life. And that's me, you know, and it's hard. It took me until now in my thirties to do that. It's crazy. Um, and it's still a learning process every single day. I'm still learning every single day and it's, it's scary, but it's been such a fulfilling journey for me. I wish I could have done this sooner. Um, I wish I can just scream at the top of my lungs to everyone in the world take care of yourself sooner learn about yourself sooner yeah um because i feel like it would have kept me from a lot of trouble and a lot of heartache yeah for sure wiser words have never been said (laughs) thank you for saying um okay i want to dive into more of that but real quick we're gonna take a quick break for you know you know how it goes with the ads Mm -hmm. um but we'll be right back so hang tight and back with more (laughs) yay i was depressed about a past last week I'm still defensive with my brand new clothes and my nice look glow when I'm so unique. I beg the memory. Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Bowl Book, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Potion by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Hey, first of all, fam, if you're a fan of the show and would like to support, consider backing us on Patreon. You can join our Discord community and get different perks by going to patreon.com slash firstofallpodcast. If you'd like to support in other ways, you can go check out firstofallpod.com or subscribe and leave a five-star rating on your favorite platform. Or just follow me on Instagram, because I love hearing from you. Thank you all so much for the support, and enjoy the show. Welcome back. So glad to have you on the show, Gina. Um, yeah, I'm, I feel so honored. Um, previously, actually, before we started recording and getting into all these stories, we were talking about, like, the influencer life. And that's something that you've you've gotten so you know this is like the world that you live in being a host and being an actress and like um i think there's a lot to be said about the industry that you and i live in you live in a very specific sub universe of like the entertainment universe where there's a lot of inherent like validation seeking i'd say like yes and we were talking about influencing and all that stuff and i've it's been fascinating to me 
watching all of this unfold the last few years of like how much things have changed specifically i think a lot of it has to do with like tiktok and and just that in tandem with like how society's unraveled and all this stuff and covid and all this stuff but i feel like personally we're we're really rapidly moving away from like this over perfect universe like the issues with like instagram and with like the over curated feed and all that stuff so i'm really curious from your side having lived it you know, through all these different versions of the entertainment universe of influencing, what's it like from your side? Like, what have you seen change and like, what do you like or not like about it? Oh, gosh. Um, So I've been doing the whole social media thing since 2007, six, MySpace, Asian Avenue, all that stuff. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Find a pics, you know? Oh my God. Way back when. So, you know, I've been on the internet for so long. And I started doing the whole, like, growing your social media following, uh, be trying, back when influencers weren't a thing. Yeah. Um, I've seen it since early 2010s. And I've only noticed a huge, huge shift as of recently. Because, yes, because of TikTok. Because back then it was so prestigious to work with these brands and only, there's just models and, and, very very uh professional voice acting and announcers and stuff like that yeah and then all of a sudden it went from only the prestigious to everyone has a voice now Mm. everyone and i it went from very curated instagram feeds like everything is just everyone had a color theme of all their photos every other photo had to be this it was just and I couldn't keep up. I hated that. I hated it so much. Um, I think throughout my whole entire career, I was never able to stick to a curated look, stick to a proper image. Mm. It just, it didn't, it didn't, I, I could not do that. And I'll explain why in a second. I, I'm pretty sure it's very obvious. But, um, and then it was the Kardashian era. Mm-hmm. And now everyone has, uh, and the makeup influencer era where everyone had, you know, the crazy like ombre brows and yeah. <laughs> and the Kardashian body and um, diet pills, you know, the tea, the teas, the diet teas. It was so 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 heavily. Um, it, it was too perfect. Yeah. Was, everything was too perfect. Come yeah. with me to my million dollar vacation in the Maldives, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then came the introduction of TikTok. Mm-hmm. And with TikTok came a, and just a boom of regular people that started having millions of followers. Their voices were being heard. And these were not Kardashians. These were not mm-hmm. um, just all like beautiful blonde white girls. You yeah. know, these were just like, hey, I'm a mom. Here's my favorite things on Amazon. Buy it or whatever the fuck. I don't give a shit. You know, <laughs> do what you want. And, I don't care. Yeah. And then Gen Z is the most rebellious um generation now where we don't want to watch how-to videos on how to get like uh how to buy a Birkin purse show us how to do our fucking taxes yeah you know exactly. and make it funny thank you yeah. thank you yeah and everyone wants to be like everyone wants to watch someone that's relatable one thing I've heard all the time from all the brands I work with um from a lot of comments online like oh my god I love this it feels like I'm just on a FaceTime call with you you're we're uh-huh. besties you know uh-huh. and that's what resonates so much more with people now and so now gone are the days of the kardashians gone are the days of like 
Um, just look at my all white bedroom. Like my, you know, that you can't even sit in. And yeah. like, like, how are you? How are you gonna keep that clean? Let's exactly. Like, mm. And now it's being called the de-influencing era, mm. where there are creators out there who are like, I'm gonna de-influence this these makeup products for you because you guys see it all the time, and mm. I'm sick of it. This is the so 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 people. All the influencers and makeup artists are saying, this is the greatest foundation ever. Well, watch this bitch, and I'll put it on. And it's like, this is the worst. You don't need money on cakey, this. You don't need. Cakey. Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. That hundred dollar hairband that everyone's wearing. You don't need that shit. Buy one at Target because one, we're in a recession Two, Gen Z millennials. Also, we're fucking broke. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We want things that are attainable, relatable. And that's it's just it just works so well now. And I love where it's going. I love where it's going. Same here. I, I, I'm such a fan. Yeah. And it, it, it also, most importantly, um, and this is where early 2010s went so horribly wrong. Most importantly, it is so much better for the kids, so much better for the teenagers. Depression has peaked because of the stress and the expectations of being a 14-year-old influencer that makes millions. And if yeah. these kids are not achieving that, they are so depressed. Yeah. But now with the new wave, it's like, oh, look at this kid who is an influencer, but... They're not, they're, they're not any different than me. They're like, living a, besides the influencing, they're, there's, they're a normal person. They're normal. Yeah. Like whatever that means. They're but. still struggling with whatever yeah. 14 year olds struggle with, you know? Right. And I think it's just so much healthier now and it's going towards the right direction. I agree. I love that. And it, it, it actually is even more reassuring. Cause like, that's like for me as like an audience person, it's been, you know, adjacent to the entertainment industry and in it in certain ways. But like, it's really refreshing to hear that even from somebody who has had to have the pressure of being the content creator, being the influencer to see that from your perspective too, because it's just such, it's such an impossible standard to live up to that way that it has been right. Like, mm -hmm. and that validation that came from I think from like really deep places and like it's not for me to sit here and like blame all of our parents or grandparents like honestly I'm at a much better place thanks to therapy and all this you know <laughs> healing work I do have a lot more forgiveness and compassion and understand they did the best they could with what they had mm -hmm. you know they it's not to say like it's just all your fault however it's like wrong to say that it wasn't heavily influencing what we believed we were supposed to do and how we were supposed to behave and what we were supposed to prioritize as young people and then carry that into our formative years while also living in a culture that's also telling us, hey, on top of all that shit, your parents and like whatever, your caretakers and your whole culture and community told you, we as a society is also telling you, if you have any cellulite, you are not lovable. If you have any like like wrinkles or like, God forbid, hyperpigmentation from acne scarring, like you're never going to find the love of your life. Do you know what I'm saying? Like all yes. these things that we are just impossible shit that we're supposed to just digest on the daily, whether we like it or not, and then believe that in order to have good things in life, we have to subscribe to and like have X, Y, or Z to be remotely lovable or remotely successful. Right. It's just like, I just don't need us to take a second, especially from like somebody who's been influencing and somebody who's been like around a lot of influencers to say that is the most suffocating and horrendous bullshit that I think we've put through generations of people. And it's, it's taken a toll. 
you know, yes. and it's made us like so thirsty for validation that truly is not going to like give us what we need, which is like the self-love, which is to feel, hey, I, as I am, am okay. Like yeah. this is enough. This is, you know, I do not have $8 jillion. I cannot go to the Maldives on a Wednesday just because mm-hmm. I feel like it. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm okay. Yeah. Um, my friend told me a quote that I, when I first heard it, I held on to it with an iron grip. Like, and that's how I lived. I started living my life um, and being more gentle and forgiving my, with myself. Mm. It said, um, you are a human being, not a human doing. You deserve oh. love just for being, not because of what you're doing. Oh my you God. Know? Yeah. I need it. Hands. Yeah. And it, I, it taught me to just please be gentle with yourself. And there was another thing that I read that said, this cell in your body does this. It gets rid of like the white blood cells. It gets rid of your infections. It gets rid of this. This Your liver is doing this. Your body loves you so much it's keeping you alive, so be gentle with it. Stop mm. insulting it. You mm. know, love it. Like, it, you're alive. It's nourishing you. It's doing its best. And you're here, so thank yourself. Thank your body. Thank every cell in your body for doing everything it possibly can every single day to keep you alive. So be mm. gentle and be kind to yourself. That's so good. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. That's very hard for me to do. I constantly need reminders. And I'm you're a human being, not a human doing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How how do you then how can can I ask like when you were working on the whole like when did you become aware of it? When did you like recognize like hey I I think what for me I was like realizing I I think did you almost tear up? Huh? Did you almost tear up? Oh no! I I I get oh. like sneezy. Sorry. Okay, I was like, "Are you tearing up?" <laughs> oh, I'm I'm always on. I'm a cancer. I'm always on the verge of tears. I'm yeah. a crier. So to be real, I'm always ready to cry. See, <laughs> it comes in handy as an as an actor. Um, but like when you were when you, I figured out like I think I was always aware like okay, I have insecurities and I do need outside validation. I did not like it about myself, and that's always like a constant struggle in my because I was judging myself for wanting wanting other people to tell me that like I did a good job or that I'm pretty yeah. or whatever but do you have like a moment or, or a time period where you realize like okay this is really unhealthy because I was kind of aware for a long time but it, it took me like I said like breaking myself constantly to realize like okay this shit's out of control yeah this is too much and this is yes. like hurting me did you have that yes and I had that moment m- maybe only two years ago okay this yeah um, my whole entire life, I lived on two planes, the plane of delusion uh-huh. and the plane of seeking love from other people. The delusion was that I love myself. I'm the best. I'm going to fake it till I make it. And it really did get me very far. Yeah. Oh, it really did. Like yeah. I faked confidence all throughout high school. I faked confidence all throughout my twenties. Like, yeah, I, I'm awesome. And you're going to pay me more than everyone else because I'm the best at this. And it worked, but oh, also, it's it's crazy like it really is crazy um but on the other plane was i need validation because i was not raised with a proper with any proper parental figures Mm. ever Mm. um so i did not know what real love was supposed to look like i didn't know what real respect was supposed to look like i didn't know what self-respect and love was supposed to be like so i uh sought love and 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 um, acceptance in other people, whether it be friendships, relationships, um, like mentors or anything, you know, like, OK, I 
if I'm making them happy, then I'm doing good. But then that led me down a very self-destructive path of just meeting the worst people, latching onto the worst friends, the, la- the worst uh, relationships, mm. romantic relationships. It was awful. Yeah. Um, and no matter what I did, nothing ever felt like home, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then it took... Uh, two back-to-back horrendous relationships, one that went viral, um, for me to realize, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Um, and that's when I finally decided to seek therapy. Therapy was always something that I wanted to try, but it was never able to afford or never put it first and foremost of what I really needed to do. So I finally went to therapy and I went, I did an exercise with my therapist. She was amazing. She made me do an exercise where she told me to close my eyes and imagine my inner child, like little Gina. What is she doing? Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, what, what, what is she? What does the room look like that she's sitting in? What is she surrounded by? And I shit you not, Minji, the only thing that I could have imagined that I imagined was little Gina, probably around four years old, sitting there playing with one toy, the one toy she had her whole entire life when she was a kid. Um in not a pretty room it was a it was just darkness it was just a black darkness Mm. um as if it was just a black backdrop and what's and she asked me what's what are you surrounded by it was a giant centipede circling me whoa yeah and she was like okay we gotta we gotta figure this out and she the exercise she did with me was gina imagine that i your therapist am little you little kid Mm. you and then she looked at me she said why are you doing this to us? I thought you loved me. I'm. Why are you hurting me like this? Everything that you're doing, the people that you choose to have in your life, you're hurting me, mm-hmm. your inner child. Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And I. that's when I first realized that I didn't have an answer for that. And I, the only thing I can come up with was just sobs and apologies in between sobs of, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I didn't realize I was hurting you. Yeah. I should have taken care of you. And that was like my awakening um and really it really forced me to ask why the fuck am i constantly hurting myself when the only person that i have is myself yeah it was it was rough it was really rough um and she walked me through another exercise of um she's 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 like i'm going to say a series of sentences with these these keywords and you have to rate from a scale of 1 to 10 on how much that hurt you mm. um She's like, and I want, I want you to imagine the most important person of your life saying this to you. Okay, sure. So she started saying sentences like, Gina, you're stupid. I'm like, ah, oh, that's like a one. I don't care. No, I don't give a fuck. I know I'm not stupid. Uh, Gina, you're not important. I'm like, oh, I don't really care about that either. You know, I'm important to me. That's fine. And then she reached a sentence. She said, Gina, you will never be safe. And it was an explosion of, I broke down. I completely broke down in the rawest form of myself. And that's how she figured out what was my driving factor behind everything and what my biggest fear was. My biggest fear was that I will never be safe. That's why I work so hard. That's why I give myself everything that I want to try to build my own safety, like my little home for myself. And that's what is my number one driving factor now. Um, And it took a long time to get there. And I'm I'm still learning that every single day. I'm put... got diagnosed with ADHD two months ago and I had a breakdown over that too you know um this is the most painful thing I've ever been through but god does it still also feel so good 
it's it's isn't that like that? I don't know how to describe. It's it's like the worst. It's the worst. That's why I was like, mm-hmm. so when people talked about um, like what I've been experienced with therapy, I said it's the worst. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't. I need it. I'm so gr- like I'm so grateful to it. Like yeah, because it's a knowing for me at least that it's helping me. This is these are the these are keys unlocking like really a like repetitive cycles like what the cycles like not only are they painful to me they just piss me off because yes there's a part of me my ego is like I know better than this and I and there's a part of me that my plane of delusion where I'm like I am the shit I am amazing I I I'm a good person I'm kind like I don't deserve this there's part of me that knows that too so like when this stuff is happening on repeat you're like what is going on? Yes. It, it makes me insane to the point mm-hmm. of like, why am I lowering myself to this kind of treatment or to invite these kinds of relationships or like just to keep just like working their way through. And then I say, yeah. no, it's done. And then it c- comes back again. And so I think there's like the quote that really hit me when I, I hit my, my, I don't know if I call it rock bottom. It's like a certain barrier that I was like. Breaking point. Yeah. A breaking point of like, the discomfort of change or like, I am totally going to butcher this, <laughs> but it's like the discomfort and the pain of changing. You're going to change when like the pain of doing so is not, is not as bad. Or it's like the, the pain of staying the same is worse than the pain of having to change. Yes. I think that's what yeah. it is. And I've reached that point probably like four or five years ago, but really I'd say three years ago for me too. like, I was, I'm done. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so sick of hurting myself and it still is continuous. But I did, I had my inner child situation too, three years ago with a hypnotherapist where I got to oh. meet with my inner child. And that, and I, there's part of me that was like, oh, I, I have a feeling this is going to really help. But the other, my, maybe my ego, the one that's trying to keep me in a cycle of familiarity was like, oh my God, this is such a, like a cliche, like, oh, right. you're going to do inner child work. And like, yeah. like, yeah, bitch, I'm gonna just watch. Yeah. And then I did. And then it like broke my brain open because it was safety. The yeah. whole love thing that I talked to myself because I thought I was going to talk to an older version of me. But when I went into my mind, like I actually met with a really young version of me, probably like six or seven. I thought I was going to meet with like my nine or 10 year old self. And instead of telling her like, oh, I love you and you're worth it and like you're valuable and, you know, all that stuff. All I said was, I'm going to keep you safe. That was the main thing that came out of my mouth. And I was like flabbergasted in my own brain of like, wait, that's not what I was planning to tell my inner child. But that's all I cared about saying to her. I was like, yeah, I and I used like the part of me that is confident. I was like, I'm so smart. I I have people who care about me and they're going to back me up if shit goes wrong. Like, I'm going to keep you safe. You have a whole army of people. But even if we have no army, you have me. I like yeah. went off and I was like, I'll keep you safe. Aww. I'm not going to let anyone hurt you. And so since then, it's been like this, like the validation part is diminishing. Like I'm just finding more ways to actually live out protecting myself, meaning like your word, like what you think about me and like what even to my parents, which is still a like big struggle, especially my dad. It's like your opinion of me matters, but it doesn't matter more than my opinion of me. Right, I'm not right. going to let your thoughts and your desires and your wishes, your expectations override what I feel is right for my life. And then I'm working on that, like, even with like the outside with work, with friendships like with everything and it's hard oh yeah because it's such an old habit Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I find myself reverting to some of those old habits and negative thoughts sometimes with uh, with Josh, you know? Okay, yeah. Not because he's doing anything wrong, but, you know, because he's just doing what normal, like a normal good boyfriend would do, but I'm so not used to it. Or I'm like, what is this? What's happening? He had to grab me like, Gina, I know what's going on. Just just sit here next to me. You're fine. Oh. We, yeah, like he's... I love him so much. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning every day. It's, and yeah, it's, this is every, every, like, I hope it's for you too, but every little obstacle with your old self that you're overcoming, mm-hmm. I hope that it feels like the greatest thing in the world to you because it does for me, you know, it's such yeah. a big accomplishment. Um, because it feels impossible at some points. Yeah, right? it really does. Wow, okay. yeah. I, feel, I just, I feel like there's, I feel I have moments where I'm like, I'm never going to be better. Yeah. Like I get really down because even though I know, again, there's the mind, but there's like your feelings, they compete all the time. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I've made all this progress and I know that. And I'm like, I know that this version of Minji is like, there's younger Minji that's like so excited that she's reached this point. Mm-hmm. And then I hit a different wall and I'm like, yeah, I don't know why I got all excited for it. <laughs> Never mind. It's, it's the beauty of life. Like, it's the ebbs and flows of life. And life is just a lot of trial and error. I have that, too. There are moments where I, I feel like I'm one of the few lucky people in the world to be able to say that I actually did accomplish my dreams. Mm-hmm. You know? And mm-hmm. every time something great happens, I always tell myself, oh, my God, six-year-old me would be so happy right now, you know? Um and it's but there are also times where I'm like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Like, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. And it's just a lot of trial and error. But I can honestly say now uh, it's hap- the, the the lows are happening a lot less. Um, and when they do happen, I'm so much more gentle with myself. Yeah. Because I'm like you. I, I was very angry with myself. Like, why the fuck are you letting this happen again? You know, like you saw. You saw this coming from a mile away. Girl, the red flags were flagging. Yeah, like, you right? knew. Yes. Yeah. But your people-pleasing side is like, well, no, no, no. Give him a chance. Or your kind side is like, no, no, no. It's okay. It'll be fine. Like, they're yeah. not that bad. You're, you're, you want to trust. You want to love. You want to fix. You want to help. <sighs> the fixing. The fixing. The fixing. The fixing. Um, and then at the end, you get hurt again. And that's, you know... the. The fixing part was a huge, huge, huge problem for me, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got rid of that. And I knew I got rid of that the moment um, I started dating again after my really bad relationship. And I was cutting people off left and right. Like, I'm not fixing no one. I'm not fixing you. I'm not fixing you, Josh. I'm not fixing you either. So you can fucking go. You know? I love it. Okay. I needed <laughs> to hear this today. This was this was God in the universe. Like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because it's the it, I, and I, don't, I don't know if it's like the intention of fixing, but it's just like the sidestepping of like, OK, if it's not good for you, if you don't like it and if it's not meeting your standard or your preference, your willingness to tolerate like stuff yes. that is not good for you. It is like, why am I so OK with that? Mm-hmm. Or why I'm going to rephrase that because words are powerful. Why have I been so OK with that? And that's like yes. in action. I'd say like that's self-love in action is cutting that off, being yes. able to say, no, thank you. Take care. I had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you yeah. well, but this ain't it for me. Mm-hmm. You take care now. Yeah. Bye. And then mm-hmm. that's, that's Gina. 
<laughs> how how else do you see that popping up? Like if you if you if anyone out there who's like struggling with their like self validation, their self love, how do you see it? Like when you recognize it, you're like, oh, that's me loving me. That's me loving me. Do you feel that, or do you pay attention to that and like clock it in? I'm so uh, sniffly, by the way. I keep like sniffling. oh, I can't hear. I can't tell. It's okay, fine. Um, I feel like I start recognizing it when. I'm I'm so much more attentive to myself now, mm. whether it be with uh, relationships, friendships, work relationships, or work in general. The moment I, I always check in with myself, like, okay, did this make me happy? Do do I feel very? Do I feel some type of way about this? Do I feel strange about this? If so, why can I fix it? Is this really what I want? Yeah. Is this, if I were to die tomorrow, would I really want this feeling to be one of my last feelings? And that's myself check in and mm. that's when you know i answer myself and i start making moves towards what i should be feeling what i would be happy with yeah um and a, and a big part of that was learning how to communicate not just clearly but also at the right time not sitting and waiting yeah. um but actually doing it right when you want to like, I know this is, fuck it. If it makes the other person uncomfortable, I don't give a shit because I want to do this now. You Good know? for you. Yeah. Uh, without being an absolute dick, of course, you know? Yeah. Um, no, there's a way. Even the, the fact that you're... Tact. But like, yeah, but tact. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. to me, I think that's the, with the dating part, let's use that as an example. To say to somebody, like, I didn't feel comfortable with this. Yes. Saying that is not, you're not punching them in the face and you're not leaving a bag of dog crap on their doorstep. Like... You're telling somebody how you felt. Like I'm mm-hmm. saying I wasn't comfortable with that. I used to frame that as like, that's being mean. Yeah. And I don't know. There's so much to unpack there of like how that got embedded in my brain that rejecting boys and and hurting their feelings or making them feel rejected or sad in any way is me being an asshole. That's the narrative that I had in my head for so long. So yeah, mm-hmm. what did that result in? I would just tolerate all kinds of like, discomfort in my life my safety my my sanity like all this stuff that felt shitty for me because god forbid i'd be an asshole and like make them feel bad for a nanosecond and that's something really really toxic and very destructive so even to me it's like how can i maintain the integrity my value that i want to still be a kind person a respectful person to like give myself permission like if you articulate something doesn't make you feel comfortable that's not you being like to say to myself that's not you being mean or bad Minji that's you being uncomfortable and being able to protect yourself and stand up for yourself and to say it in a way also for my safety it's like I'm not trying to like scream this at somebody because that also creates a a unsafe potentially unsafe thing because I've dealt with scary men in my life and so like how can I deliver it in a safe manner I think through all those things and that to me is me loving myself of like okay we're going to keep ourselves safe and and we're also going to keep ourselves safe by removing said person that makes you uncomfortable away from you. How can you communicate that while maintaining, you know, safety, but also respect for self, respect for this person? And if they cannot deal with that, like they can't deal with rejection, which most people do, mm-hmm. like then we'll just deal with it. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Right. And thankfully right. hasn't gotten there because I'm approaching it with hopefully with integrity, you know. Yes. But it's hard, girl. It is. It is because we were never taught to put ourselves first. It was always other people's feelings first. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, once you learn how to love yourself, a part of self-love is knowing how to say no. And and, and the next step of that is knowing how to say no without having to explain. No is a complete sentence. Yeah, it's a complete sentence. I'm over. I'm an over explainer. 
Yeah, I know. Be, me too. Me too. <laughs> like, I had to break that habit too. Okay. Like, Gina, can you come into work? No. I'm not scheduled today. Why? Don't need to give you a reason why. Like, I'm not scheduled today. Because no. I'm not scheduled. Yeah. It's, that's yeah. a you problem, you know? And it's... It's, it's such a... It's, it's such a I, 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 I overcorrected, I feel like, when I was younger too. Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the earlier years, earlier 20 years of searching for self-love was um, thinking, you know, on the l- delusion of I'm the best, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, blah, blah, blah. But that led to I'm the best, I'm the greatest, I'm better than you. I don't need you. I don't need you. I'm better than you. Why are you hiring them? I'm better. That turns into a dick. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, like in your 20s, you're so arrogant. You think you know everything. You think you're so smart, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um so I overcorrected during that time. And then you get humbled. And that's when you hit, you hit the level or the stage of, oh, shit, I'm not that great. I need to shut the fuck up and learn because there are so many other greater people than that. And that's such a valuable, valuable um, moment yeah. in life, too, when you learn how to be a student, yes. you know. Yes. Um, and and I like I it's, it's, it's fun being a student of yourself. Mm. Um, and just learning about yourself like I said earlier I got diagnosed with ADHD uh, two months ago because I had didn't audition for or I was actually casted for a reality show that never came to be because recession all that stuff and during that reality show protocol is you have to go through a very very intense um, a psych- a psychological evaluation okay um, and I guess I do this for a lot of TV shows and stuff because they did not do that before in the 70s and one of the contestants killed another person so it's very it's protocol now okay yeah good it protocol. Was a, yeah it was a two-week thing it spanned two weeks and uh it was a very interesting process of some like six pages of questions first and then 500 true or false questions that's being monitored by someone um, and this test has been around for forever. It's a $3,000 test, which I didn't have to pay for because thank God I got casted for this. Yeah. And um, in, within that test, it, sh- it can detect if you're lying. And they've been using this for decades. And Ooh. then they take the results of that. It shows up on a graph. It's, it shows a graph. They take the results of that, gives it to the psychologist. And this man is like 60 years old, been in the game for so long. Uh, you sit down and talk to him. Minji, this was probably one of the only times in my life where I felt so exposed. It was uncomfortable. It was extremely uncomfortable. Um, so it was a 45-minute a call that I took during a break during my podcast. And I sat down with him. He's like, I have your evaluation here. Um, and he asked me a few questions. And at the end of the, of the evaluation, he was like, would you like to know how you scored? And I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. I was read. Oh, he read me like a book. And we all have that mask that we put on in front of other people. He just decimated that mask. And he was like, Gina, (laughs) you scored very high on hyperactivity. Uh And this is why earlier you said um, C's get degrees, you know, and you couldn't focus in school. You were also very, um, you you score very high on nervousness. Oh, Um, You scored very high on... Um, manipulation, which is an old school word for um, being very persuasive. Uh-huh. He's like, that is why you work in entertainment. Because <laughs> actors have to manipulate people into thinking, you know, 
this and that. I was like, okay. Yeah. Uh huh. And like he, he like he read me like a book, and he's like, and you're you're a more um, reserved person, but you're very good at manipulating people into thinking you're an extrovert. I'm like, what do you mean reserved? No, everyone at G4 and everyone knows that I'm. He's like, yeah, but what are you when you're alone? I was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> Dare get you. away from me <laughs> how, dare, <laughs> how dare you read me like this you don't know me but um, you do but you do and i felt so exposed yeah. but instead of sitting there like what the fuck i feel so exposed it was more i i switched my mindset to i feel so understood yeah and my god did it feel so good to be understood i've this is incredible someone gets it and then the hyperactivity reading led me to let's go see, let's go see a, a specialist to see if I have ADHD. So I went to a specialist and uh, on a scale of one to 80, you need a seven. No, you need a 25 or higher to um, to have ADHD. Uh, she's like, you got a 78, dude. Like your ADHD Bro. is fuck. And then here's the thing. I started sobbing. Because she she read to me, and I was doing research too, um, on what ADHD symptoms show up f- like. Because women are horribly underdiagnosed when it comes to ADHD, mm-hmm. and she started reading off all the symptoms, and I started crying because finally everything made sense. She was like, "You can't remember anything. You were unorganized. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't focus in school. You know, schools. Your grades weren't great." And I cried to her and I said, so I'm not stupid? Oh, (laughs) She's like, no. I'm like, but I was told I was so stupid when I was little. Gina, you're dumb. You can't do anything right. You're stupid. Like, why can't you focus? And I asked her, I'm like, so I'm not stupid. She's like, no, you're not. And I went, you know, in my over-explaining stage, I was like, I... It's not because I couldn't, or it's not because I didn't want to. It's because I couldn't. I cannot. You know, I tried to so hard. I really did, but I couldn't. I can't mm. believe it. Like I'm not dumb. I'm not stupid. And that was the validation that I needed to hear. Oh. <laughs> I would argue. <laughs> yeah. It it was. Oh my god! It was such a beautiful moment, and that's my third birthday. You know, like that's yeah. my third birthday. Everything that I was told when I was a kid was not true. And that further solidified my belief in it doesn't matter what the fuck other people think of you. It's what you think of yourself. I knew something inside me was not right. Yeah. I knew, like, I knew that no matter how hard I tried, there was a reason why I couldn't do, why I couldn't perform these tasks. And I was right all along. That intuition was always right. And you owe it to yourself to find the answers and to prove your intuitions, that, that your intuition is correct, you owe it to yourself. And that is where my journey has taken me. And I'm never going to stop. It's it's fucking Please amazing. Don't. Oh, my God. Never, ever yeah. stop, Gina. I'm so, I'm so, like, I don't know what the words are. Like, I'm just so <laughs> happy for you. I'm relieved for you. I'm so, like, like, inspired. And that's, that. those are monumental things. And it takes so much courage and, like, determination. A to just like get through all the all the fucking steps that had to take you yeah. to get to that point, and like how th- th- it delivered this test to you that like changed everything. And then you were you stepped up to the freaking plate though, like you're at yeah. the plate and you went to bat. Like and that takes that takes your character, your your 
you know, you to like step up and do it. So I'm just, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I can't, oh my God. I just, I'm so happy. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of a better way to like wrap up this conversation, even though I could talk to you for hours upon hours. <laughs> I have, I do, I do uh, want to one parting word though. Yeah, is, yeah. Um, I do, if anyone, you know, like for all the people that hears this, I do want to tell you that it's never too late. Yes. It really is never too late. You're not behind. You know, there are people in their 50s and 60s that are still discovering things about themselves. Yeah. You're not too late. So just do it. Just fucking go and do it. Find yourself. You're so right. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. That was actually... So I have three lightning questions that I ask at the end. Sure. Every, but that was the last one. You can reiterate that. The other two, uh, well, let's just do... Uh, one thing is like, what are you grateful for today? That I woke up. Good thing. What a, what a wonderful day to wake up. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, secondly, what are you looking forward to? The first answer was Josh. Yeah, I was going to say him like, later. to call your love back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that um, makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, the, and the second answer that came to mind was, I can't wait for what's next. Whether it be career or family or afterlife, I can't wait. Good. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then the third question is, what do you want to leave with everybody here listening today? And... It's not too late. It's not too late. And you are a human being, not a human doing. Mm-hmm. Again, wiser words have never been said. <laughs> here, first of all, Gina, thank you so, so much. This thank was you. so much fun. Time flew. Um, can't wait to have you back again. We'll hopefully hang out. Well, I'll cook for you, whatever. Like, Yay. yeah, <laughs> there, there's there are good times ahead. I'm so excited. And yeah, thank you again for being on the show. Thank you. I had such a great time. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good rest of your day. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys for tuning in for this week's episode of First of All, Season 4, Episode 1 with Gina Darling, talking about how to stop seeking outside validation. Gina, thank you so much for being an amazing guest. It was the best time talking with you. I hope you guys all go check out Gina's work, um, her streaming, her podcast, uh, all of just her crazy shenanigans that she puts onto the internet. You can follow her on Instagram, Twitter, at Miss Gina Darling. And does anyone go on Twitter anymore? Like, honestly, I was very curious about that because I heard that the algorithm's weird. I mean, who knows what has happened since Elon. I don't go on Twitter anymore. If the internet still exists, if these platforms still exist at the moment that you're listening to this episode, please go listen to Gina and go follow her um, if you want to learn more. And if you'd like to get in touch with me and follow along with the show, you're more than welcome to follow at First of All Pod on Instagram. Although this whole TikTok debacle has had me thinking about do we want to support Meta? I don't know. Um, for the time being, follow along on Instagram. My personal page is Minjizi. And you can email me at firstofallpod at gmail.com if you have a question or comment or want to connect on anything. Um, love to hear from you guys. Honestly, I really miss that connection. It's been a good break. but And I know that it's me talking to you guys. It's like me and another person sharing our conversation with the world, but it does, it is a connecting point and it's nice to hear from people who tune in. Um, And please feel free to leave a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. It does help people discover the show. It helps me have wonderful validated feelings. This is the irony of this episode. Stop seeking outside validation. Leave a five-star review because it makes me feel better. Whatever, I'm going to own it. It's part of whatever algorithm exists in the podcast universe. I do appreciate 
the love. Um, and yeah, if you want to also support the show, feel free to go to firstofallpod.com and you can find all the different links to support me, the show and whatnot. Really appreciate whatever generosity you're feeling willing to give from your overflowing cup, I hope. Do not give from a place of scarcity, I beg you. Take care of yourself first. Um, and yeah, thank you to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer, producer, my ride or die. Thank you to Tang Kim, who is the Bamboo and Glass host, and she is my producer this season. She has been so instrumental and such a great, amazing friend and sister helping me get this season off the crown. This season would not exist if it was not for her. So everybody, we all thank you, Tan. I love you so much. And last but not least, of course, thank you to Juliana Deer, my social media manager. And thank you to the sponsors. What a world. We have sponsors coming on board this year uh, or this year, this season for first of all. So what what a time to be alive and uh, leveling leveling up. Again, please be kind on the YouTube channel. I'm still getting this off the ground and uh, we'll see what we can do <laughs> there. And shout out to Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American podcasters and storytellers. Feel free to check out some of the awesome shows there. A lot of great personalities, a lot of good topics, books, K-dramas, et cetera, et cetera. It's great. And of course, got a shout out to Uzuhan. I don't care what music comes our way down the line, what trends come up, but I love that sound of Uzu Trap whenever it starts. It gives me a good vibe. Thank you to Uzuhan for use of his song, Uzu Trap, for our intro. And this week, our outro is by Flannel Albert. I actually, I don't remember the exact event, but I discovered Flannel Albert's music through Collaboration Los Angeles years ago and uh, he's just so talented and I've been following along on Instagram he has a new single out called Devils and Angels and that is our featured song for our outro this week so go check him out if you want to follow along with all the other music that gets featured on First of All you can find our playlist on Spotify and there's a link to it on the website firstofallpod.com so go check that out take care of yourselves this is it for this week uh, stay tuned for the next episode I love you all and I'll talk to you soon bye that I love and all the shit that I have been oh, through. Don't see, I'm all in. I just wanna be, I'm lonely. West of the east, come for me, hold me. Certain nights I can only feel like love won't stop in front of me. And all I got's not enough for me. Hey, Sharon. Hey, Remen. How are folks still racist? I know, right? We're like two decades into the 21st century. Yeah. And second question, where's my jetpack? Well, I can't help you there, but have I got a podcast for you. Modern Minorities is a show where each week, my longtime pal Raman and I uncover common and uncommon truths that we all need to hear for our majority brains and ears. Yeah, Sharon and I have spoken to doctors, lawyers, directors, climate activists, angry Asians, athletes, chefs, writers. Folks who are black, brown, gay, straight, and everything in between. Past guests have included comedian Margaret Cho, Southern Poverty Law Center journalist Geraldine Mariba, comics creator Jean Lun Yang, and many, many more. We've even talked about Ramadan, Black History Month, Kamala Khan, and Robin being queer. It's like we're trying to solve racism with the podcast. Challenge accepted. So check out Modern Minorities at modmypod.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Remember, we're all modern minorities, but we're no one's model minority. 